This is Unconcluded, a real-time investigative podcast looking into the 2006 disappearance of Jennifer Kessie in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Sean Gerd. And I'm your co-host, Scott J. As you may have noticed in the episode title, we're calling this show Sidebar, and it's going to be kind of our in-between episodes episode. It's going to be an off-the-cuff conversational type show where we tie up loose ends from previous episodes, respond to questions and comments that we receive, and, and talk about things that maybe just don't fit into a regular episode. We'll also express some of our thinking and personal opinions along the way. If you remember, we mentioned in episode 3 that we were going to discuss some of the theories about the person of interest, and that's what we're planning to do today. But over the course of our first three episodes, we've received a ton of questions and comments, and we want to respond to those. So for our first sidebar episode, we're going to go with kind of a question and answer type format. Alright, the first question we're going to delve into involves what Joyce talked about at the end of episode 3. She made a correction about the Bloodhound and where it tracked back to at Mosaic at Millennia and actually went to the back of the steps. So the question comes in from Shannon on Facebook and she asks, What do you make of the dog going to the back steps at Jennifer's condo? So yeah, that's a question that we've gotten a lot of since the last episode. So you remember in episode three, like Scott said, that Joyce Kessie corrected herself and said that the Bloodhound tracked the POA back from the Huntington on the Green to the staircase that led down by the pond behind Jennifer's condo. And before I go any further on this particular question, I do want to make a couple things clear. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Mosaic at Millennia, first of all, Remember that Jennifer's condo faced out over the pond, and therefore the stairs that lead up from the pond side of the building are actually closer to her door than the stairs on the opposite side of the building that led out to the parking area. So if the intention was going to or coming from her condo the shortest route possible, those stairs would have been closest to her door. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Now the other one is that some of you may have the same problem that I did the first time I heard this, and that's kind of like a mental image problem. So... My mental image of what stairs leading to the back pond area meant and what is exactly at Mosaic at Millennia are are two different things. In my head, I had imagined that the stairs led down to the back of a hallway and then exited out of the hallway. You would have just kind of walked into grass, which led down to the pond. Way back in college, I lived in an apartment that was set up this way. There was a long hallway and, and you could just walk out through the grass down to the pond. But this is not how it is at the Mosaic at Millennia. So at her building, it's a little different. The stairs lead down to a back hallway, kind of like what I said. But instead of there being grass and then down to a pond, there's actually a a sidewalk. And the sidewalk is probably 10 or 20 yards long, and it leads to a little road. And the road kind of traces around the uh, long side of the pond. And there's parallel parking on that road too. So when you head out of that back staircase... It's almost like a little miniature parking lot, sort of. And then on the other side of that is the pond. So it's not maybe as weird as it sounds like this particular POI was coming from like the woods into the back entrance of her apartment. It's not like that. It's still a road with some parking spaces. Now, what is interesting is that the POI did not walk in the main entrance at Jennifer's condo, but past that, and walked in through an opening in the gate that was kind of open because of the construction and stuff like that. So he did come in in an interesting way, but 
it's probably not as strange as some of you may be thinking. All right, moving on to the next question. This one from Jill via email. Do you think that the POI in the video was actually involved in the abduction, or do you think that they were used or paid off to move the vehicle and did not have anything to do with Jen's actual disappearance? So there's a couple parts to that question. I want to answer the second part first. If I think that the person of interest had anything to do with Jennifer's actual disappearance? And my answer to that is yes. I do think they had something to do with it. Now, whether or not that is the actual abduction itself is probably kind of what the question was actually asking. And I'll get to that in a second. But if this person is moving her car, whether they were paid later or not, then they're part of the crime, so to speak. So for that part of it, yes, absolutely. Now, to get to the question that I think you were trying to ask, which is, is this person responsible for her abduction themselves or are they kind of just uh, oblivious help after the fact? It's hard to say. I've gone back and forth on that. I think ultimately that this person knew more than just, oh, I'm just moving a car. Now, does that mean that they were actually the abductor themselves? I'm not so sure. Part of me really thinks that this was more than one person involved in this. And so I think because of that, then perhaps this person was responsible for, you know, moving the car, but not actually uh, taking Jennifer herself. But that's just random speculation on my part. I do believe that there was more than one person involved. However, I don't really have much to base that on right now. So you can take that for what it's worth. All right. The next question we have, and we got this one from quite a few people on Facebook and on Twitter, also a few emails on it. Could a woman have played a part? Or do you think the POI is a woman? The answer to this question kind of goes back to the problem that we have in general with the person of interest, and that's that there's just very little to go on. My first impression is that no, it's not a woman, and that's my personal opinion. I just believe that it's a man. And if you remember from last episode, Joyce Kessie also said the same thing, that she thinks it's his man as well. However, that doesn't mean that it is. And I guess if I'm answering the question, is it possible that this person is a woman? Absolutely, it's possible. The calculated height of the person of interest and, and the fact that they appear to have kind of a slight build, I think, allows some people to consider the fact that it may be a woman. But... Yeah, to answer the original question, it's certainly possible. Have you seen the theories about the POI wearing a bike helmet and having a thigh holster and law enforcement type badges on? Okay, so this is definitely one that I wanted to get to on this show. But before I respond with my thoughts, I want to clarify what this question is referring to. On some of the various websites where people discuss missing person cases and and play armchair detective, this particular interpretation of the person of interest gets a lot of run. And to make a long story short, some people have taken the POI video and blown it up to see if they can find more details. And in this particular instance, there's a group of people that believe that the POI is wearing a thigh holster for a weapon. Uh, they determined that it might be a taser. They also think that there are law enforcement type badges on the person's shirt and that the person's wearing a bicycle helmet based on the shape of the back of the head and what they believe are straps appearing around the neck area. 
So basically, they've reached a conclusion that this person could be an armed bike security guard or even a law enforcement officer. I've spent hours trying to see these things, and quite frankly, I don't see them. I see what they're referring to, but I just don't interpret them the same way that a lot of these other people have. And that doesn't mean that they're wrong. In fact, many of them have been looking into this for much, much longer than I have. It just means that if I'm going to answer this question about it, I can say I'm aware of it and I've considered it, but I'm just unable to agree with it. The thigh holster, to me, just appears to be wrinkles in the shirt as the person's walking along with some different shadows and stuff. And it just looks like it's too high up on the waist to be a thigh holster. And for the badges, I don't even see those at all. The most interesting part to me is the bike helmet. And I'll admit that I can see sort of where that interpretation is coming from. You could make a case for the helmet. And perhaps the bike helmet or maybe another type of helmet, I can entertain that possibility. Although it's still nothing more than speculation. So I'm not going to rule out any parts of this. It's certainly something that is possible, but there's just not enough there for me to really pursue it at this point. All right, moving on, we've got another question from Jennifer on Facebook, and she says, it sounds like the complex that Jennifer Kessie lived in was gated. I wonder what that means. Does that mean nobody could get in if they didn't have some sort of key code? So this question makes sense because we've discussed several times on the show that Jennifer's condo building was gated. However, what we probably failed to mention is that because of the renovations that the building was undergoing, the gate was kind of just open. It wasn't closed. There were, the access codes weren't being used at that particular time. So anyone could have gotten in and out back in January of 2006 due to the different construction and things that were going on. So even though it was gated, it wasn't really as secure as that might sound. And I already kind of mentioned earlier in another question that the actual POI used a different access point that was just kind of opening in the gate because of that construction and stuff. So to answer the question, yes, it was, but it didn't matter in this instance because it wasn't really being used uh, the way it's supposed to be. Okay, here's a question now from Miriam on Facebook. I noticed people mentioning that the person of interest may be wearing painter's pants or some sort of worker's uniform. Have they looked into any remodeling that was done in the neighborhood where a person like this was hired at that time? This is perhaps the most popular interpretation of the person of interest's clothing, that the person is wearing a construction uniform or painter's clothing or a landscaper outfit. But all of it is a little bit biased, in my opinion, because people hear the information about Jennifer's condo being renovated and how there were landscapers working near her building each morning and all of that. And it makes it a lot easier to see the POI wearing these types of outfits. It's also easy to make this connection because the POI appears to be wearing all white. But remember, as Joyce told you in episode 3, the color of the clothing was determined to not be accurate. So it almost has to be disregarded when trying to determine what the person of interest is wearing. Now, when we get to talking about suspects in this case, we're going to spend some time talking about the circumstances surrounding these types of workers. And there are a lot of reasons that make sense. In fact, it's probably one of the more probable scenarios, but if we're looking at it strictly at the clothing from the video and not considering the colors, then I'm not really sure that the person looks to be wearing this kind of clothing any more than any other type of outfit, really, uh, that other theories kind of suggest. So I don't know if we can say, yes, that's the case. I think certainly the first time you look at it, it does appear that way because it appears to kind of all be one color. And to answer the question, 
you could absolutely make the case that this person is wearing a construction you know uniform or a painter's uniform however that said i'm not ready to you know say that that's exactly what it is yet we have another question from facebook this one from ann was jennifer's brother's friend ruled out as a possible suspect or the poi quite simply the answer to that question is no at this point there is no one that's been ruled out as a suspect and that's kind of part of the frustrating part of this case now that's officially i I think that from the standpoint of our investigation or the standpoint of the police's investigation uh you know they haven't exactly said these people are not suspects but I don't believe that her father or her brother or her boyfriend, Robert, any of those people were involved at all. So if we're talking about eliminated suspects, I I think that we can say there are some people that have more or less been eliminated. But from the official standpoint of has anyone actually been cleared? The answer is no. And to your specific question about uh, Logan's friend, that is certainly a person of interest, uh, I'd say because of some of the circumstances surrounding that individual's uh, evening, the night that Jennifer disappeared or the night before she disappeared. And that was actually the person that you heard Joyce talking about at the end of the last episode. So you can kind of take that for what it's worth, but certainly there is no one that has been eliminated at this point. Okay, moving on. Here's another question we got on Facebook and Twitter from multiple people. Do you feel that this uh, kidnapping was staged or was it more of a crime of opportunity? Well, answering that question, I think we have to think about two separate scenarios. So to the first part, do I think it was staged? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think that it was planned, which kind of answers the second question about it being a crime of opportunity. In my opinion, it was planned. Uh, and executed, but it wasn't necessarily something where they staged uh, her apartment or, or anything like that. Now, again, that's just my opinion at this point, and that certainly could change in the future. All right, we'll go on to another question that involves the POI, and it sort of piggybacks off of what Joyce Kessie has said in the episodes that her theory about it possibly being a teenager, and that was her first instinct was that it was a teenager and what are your thoughts on whether or not the POI could be a teenager? As with a lot of the things that we've mentioned on this show, it's certainly a possibility and if you look at it from the standpoint that the FBI determined that the person of interest was five foot three to five foot five and the fact that they appear to have kind of a slight build, a teenager makes sense. So when Joyce said that was her first instinct, that's not surprising. And there's something else that I wanted to mention too, because there are a couple of people that have mentioned that they see or that it appears to them that the person of interest is carrying a skateboard as they walk past the gate. And I've gone back and looked at this a couple of times, and it's actually kind of compelling. It's interesting because I can see it. If you look at the bottom of what we kind of imagine the person of interest's arm is and you can see it's kind of straight back uh, or not straight back but straight down and and slightly to the back Uh, and it appears that their hand is kind of uh, their knuckles are curved up you can almost imagine them carrying a skateboard under their arm and the ends of that skateboard are obscured by the gate and by the sign that's attached to the middle of the gate but 
you can almost make it out. There's kind of a, a little bit of a darker grayish area around the midsection of the POI. And I'd always attributed that to just a difference in the pants or, or the way that the light was reflecting. But I don't know. Now that someone has said it, I can see it. So it's definitely something to kind of keep in mind. And and to go back to the original question, if we're talking about the potential POI being a teenager, then perhaps using a skateboard as a mode of transportation would be appropriate. We're going to go ahead and stop there and wrap up our first sidebar episode. We'll look forward to continuing these short and formal in-between episodes as we go along. Now, before we go, at the end of episode 3, I said that we were going to pick up with starting to look at some of the suspects in this case. But that's changed. Remember, as this is a real-time investigation, things don't always go as planned. And he was pulling behind him a girl by the wrist. I would say that she was not trying to, you know, resist being pulled in. She came in willingly, but he had a grip on her wrist, and it would have been her right wrist. It was not a grip on her hand. So next week, we're going down a different path.